0: The Two Kingdoms of This World by Pastor Dan Gaiman Only two kingdoms exist in this world, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of light is God's kingdom of truth and reality. It is the transcendent kingdom under Jesus Christ. On the other hand, the kingdom of darkness represents death. So, Christian, you are either in the kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness. There is no neutral ground. Lukewarm Christians have no place in the kingdom of light. So I pray that you strive to dwell in the kingdom of light. For certain, you cannot live in both kingdoms. If you believe in Jesus Christ, and your lifestyle matches God's moral code contained in his transcendent word, you are a citizen of the kingdom of life and light. However, if you walk outside the truth of Jesus Christ, and God's moral code, you believe and live a lie, and you are not in the kingdom of light. Consider these inspired words from the Apostle John, chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. From John chapter 1, verses 1-10, through 10, and verse 14. Jesus Christ, the Word that was God, that became incarnate in flesh, and dwelt among us, is the king of the kingdom of life and light. He took on the seed of Abraham to become very man, that he might save his people as the perfect sinless sacrifice for the sin of those chosen by God the Father before the foundation of the world. Jesus announced in John 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Apostle John declared in 1 John, beginning in verse 5, these words, This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, and walk in darkness, we lie, and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another The Apostle John provides us with a test to self-measure ourselves. Are we in the kingdom of light? Or have we drifted into the kingdom of darkness? Turn with me to 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 17, and examine your own walk in this world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world... The lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth for ever. If you want to be in the kingdom of light, you must guard the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. If you're a single or a married man, you need to be in control of every form of darkness that could endanger and spoil your spirit, conscience, and communion with God. Your soul, your will, intellect, or emotional state, and the temptation to live in pride. Pride can take many forms. Make sure it has no ownership of your soul. The Gospel of John records these words from the lips of Jesus Christ. In John chapter 12, verse 35 and 36, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. The United States of America, at this historical moment, is under a cover of spiritual and moral darkness. The children of light must adorn themselves with the full armor of God to withstand the darkness that is now descending upon this nation. Beware of this darkness. Moral and spiritual darkness has descended upon this land. Do not be deceived. Do not be guilty of self-deception. Don't be blind to your spiritual and moral condition. In what kingdom do you live? Examine your lifestyle. Your lifestyle is the standard by which you measure the light that you live in. Turn with me to Romans chapter 1 verse 16 and consider some of the most important verses in Scripture and Bible truth that you absolutely must know and understand to guard against the spiritual and moral darkness that is now enveloping America. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew, Judean, first, and also to the Greek. Don't undervalue the word gospel. This word is the good news of what Jesus Christ, the light of this world, came into the world to do. He came to save all those chosen in salvation by God our Father before the world began. If Jesus Christ has chosen you, and you are one of his sheep, you can know that you are in the kingdom of light. The marvelous truth of the gospel is that there was a divine transaction made by the eternal God. For he, God the Father, hath made him, Jesus Christ, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. From 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21. The righteousness of God was traded for our sin by the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. God our Father provided His only begotten Son to bear our sin, that His righteousness might be transferred to us who had none of our own. As a member of the Kingdom of Light, you can draw great courage and confidence in Romans chapter 1, verse 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, The just shall live by faith. This verse calls us to understand that faith, fueled by hope, is a gift from God. You do not come to faith in Christ on your own. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. From Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. God promises that your gift of faith will grow and increase as you learn to trust God and walk in the kingdom of light. As you build your life on the promises of God's faith is the substance that is generated by the hope that springs forth from these promises. Look at Hebrews chapter 6, verses 12 through 20. Faith generated by the hope, these promises inspires, is the anchor of your soul. The idea that the just shall live by faith is found in three different books in the Bible, so it must be important. You really need to think about this verse. This verse implies that you, having been justified before a holy God by the blood of Jesus Christ, you have been baptized as the sign and seal that your sins have been forgiven. All trust is vested in Jesus Christ, your advocate and faithful high priest in the heavens, and the Holy Spirit is your advocate here on this earth. You're now a citizen of the kingdom of God. As a good soldier of Jesus Christ, you are now fully surrendered to the lordship of Christ, the captain of your salvation, and in complete trust of his lordship over all areas of your life. As a true soldier of Christ, we must be prepared to fight manfully against Satan and his minions, the world, and our own sin nature. This warfare is waged by putting on the full armor of God. The Holy Spirit employed St. Paul as the champion to set forth the individual pieces that make up the armor of a Christian soldier. Examine the words of the Holy Spirit as St. Paul points out the primary reason why every soldier of Jesus Christ must be fully armed in order to go into battle and wage a victorious war against Satan, the world, and your own sin nature. From Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10-13. through 13. that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand." These Holy Spirit-inspired words call every Christian into battle. This fallen world is the scene of battle. This was the charge given to a young man named Timothy. It's a call to war against Satan, the world, and our very own sin nature. This is a call to battle daily. There is no time out in this warfare. This warfare is ongoing all the days of our lives, and that is the very reason that St. Paul could say near the end of his life and execution as a Roman prisoner, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him, to be a soldier, from 2 Timothy chapter two, verses one, two, and four. The armor of God begins with truth. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Truth is the single piece of Christian armor that is absolutely essential. Truth is the absence of the lie. God's word is truth, and it is absolute truth. The truth is unchanging, because God, the author of truth, is unchanging. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. From Hebrews 13, verse 8. For I am the Lord, I change not. From Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. Jesus himself assures us that heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. From Matthew chapter 24, verse 35. Truth is never free, and it doesn't come easy. Without truth, you're either in slavery or on your way. Jesus said in John chapter 8 verse 32, "Know the truth, and the truth shall make you free." To emphasize the place that truth must hold in the life of every Christian soldier, consider this testimonial to Pontius Pilate from Jesus Christ in the inspired words of the Apostle John, chapter 18, verses 37. Pilate, therefore, said unto him, Art thou a king, then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king? To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. Jesus Christ is the way, The truth and the life. From John chapter 14, verse 6. There is no substitute for truth. Truth is the absence of lies. Darkness cannot abide in the presence of truth. There will be no liars in the kingdom of God. Look to Revelation 21, verse 8. Professing Christians whose lifestyle reflects the lies of Satan and his minions will not be in his kingdom. Truth is the first essential piece of armor that you must embrace as a true soldier of Jesus Christ. The next piece of armor is the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate is a very important piece of armor. This piece of armor can only be supplied by the blood of Jesus Christ. It is the righteousness of Jesus Christ that is imputed unto the believer as his breastplate of armor. We are born into this world spiritually dead on arrival. We come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and His truth when, by grace, we are quickened by the effectual power of the Holy Spirit and given spiritual life to obey the call of Jesus Christ and receive the gift of His salvation. We acknowledge and repent our sins, we confess Jesus Christ as the crucified and risen Lord and are baptized as the sign and seal of the remission of our sins." In the divine exchange, God our Father exchanges the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ and His righteous blood for our sin debt which Jesus bore in His crucifixion. For God the Father hath made Him, Jesus Christ, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. From 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. The third piece of armor can be identified in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. A soldier going into battle must have firm, solid footing. They must hold their ground. The gospel prepares them for this most important part of the battle. A soldier must be well-grounded and ready to face the enemy. It's essential that all Christians not only believe the truth, but they must be so well grounded in the gospel of the kingdom that they cannot be moved or swayed. They must stand strong, steady, and steadfast. If your feet are firmly planted in the truth, you won't flinch, melt down, evade, or shy away from the faith and truth of the gospel. The fourth piece of armor is identified in Ephesians 6, verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Reflect upon the importance of faith to every believer. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. From Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. If we take a very deep dive into Scripture, it will become apparent that hope is the fuel that builds faith. Hope is generated by the promises that a sovereign God has made by and through the unilateral, unconditional covenants He has made with His covenant people throughout their history. The promises incorporated in these covenants are anchored in the sworn oath and testimony of Jehovah Himself. Such is true with the foundational, unconditional covenant of promise Jehovah made with Abraham. Hope is generated by these promises and greatly facilitates faith for all who believe God. Faith is the covering. It's the great shield that holds back and deflects the fiery darts of Satan, our own doubts and fears, and those that our private enemies hurl at us. Look to Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13-20. through 20. This confirms the idea that two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie— are his promises sealed and confirmed by the oath made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob Israel. No Christian can live and wage a Christian warfare without faith. Indomitable faith is the sustaining cover and shield which must cover us through all the adversities of this life and world. The simple statement that the just shall live by faith appears three times in scripture and this repetition is not without good reason see habakkuk 2 verse 4 romans 1 verse 7 and hebrews 10 verse 28 we cannot be a believer and confess faith in jesus christ and live faithless in this world faith is an anchor for the soul a covering and shield that preserves us from the missiles that are fired at us in this world. The fifth piece of armor is the helmet of salvation. Ephesians chapter six verse seventeen defines the fifth and sixth pieces of the arm necessary for a victorious, overcoming Christian life. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The helmet of salvation is the gift of eternal life. That a sovereign God chose to give each of his elect people before the foundation of the world. Look at Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4, 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9, Titus chapter 1 verses 1 and 2, and First Peter chapter 1 verses 1 and 2. The sword of the Spirit is the sixth piece of Christian armor necessary for waging a successful campaign against Satan the world, and our own innate sin problem. The Word of God, inspired and powered by the sacred and holy scriptures, is the primary and indispensable weapon of every Christian. We dare not believe that we can be a victorious, overcoming Christian without the double-edged sword of God's Word. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. From Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. There are many types of biblical swords now translated into the English language. The Bible of record, for a multitude of reasons, for Christians associated with this Israelite church community, is the authorized King James Bible. You can have all the essential pieces of Christian armor, but without the Bible, the sword of the Spirit, you have no weapon to use against the enemy, or to bring others into the truth contained in Scripture. The sort of truth that you imply should be very familiar to you. You must know your Bible. Familiarity with both Old and New Testament Scriptures is essential. You must know what you believe and be able to defend your position from Scripture. The testimony of two inspired apostles of Jesus Christ should be sufficient evidence for the absolute varsity of Scripture. Examine the words of St. Paul in 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And the following are the inspired words of the Apostle Peter, from 1 Peter 1, verse 23 and 25. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever, for all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth for ever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Having now girded your loins with truth, the first piece of armor is in place. Then, with the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the truth of the gospel in order, you are ready to take up the shield of faith. Next comes the helmet of salvation, and placing the sword of the spirit into its sheath, you're almost fully armed. The one vital part of your armor that cannot be left out is prayer. Prayers and supplications are one of the very most important parts of your armor, and this is the weapon of choice When the battle waxes hot, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18 sets forth the importance of this piece of the gospel armor, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Prayer is the primary weapon, together with the sword of the spirit, in waging spiritual warfare. Let's recall that the children of Adam and Eve were created in the image and in the likeness of God, from Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Now, this image and likeness was spiritually deadened by sin. When the believer is born again, or born from above, as we see in John chapter 3, verses 3 and 5, the Holy Spirit quickens the believer, and this image and likeness recreated. And the believer is made a new creation in Jesus Christ. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. We were created for the pleasure of God. Look to Revelations 4, verse 11. And the eternal God, our Creator, He intended to have communion with His children. Prayer enables the Christian to transcend time and place and reach up to the living God. Prayer is a marvelous gift that God has given His children. The uncreated God can enter into communion with His children through prayer, scripture, and in other mediums that He has used, including visions, dreams, and angelic appearances at rare and sundry times. Prayer should be a daily habit and the most private and elevated spiritual moment in our lives. Great care should be given to some of the many prayers that are recorded in Scripture to give better depth of understanding and meaning. The model prayer called the Lord's Prayer is worthy of careful examination and is recorded in Matthew 6, verse 9 13. Our Father which art in heaven. What a marvelous truth to reflect upon the word Father and know that we can address the living God with the intimacy of this name. Hallowed be thy name. This is calling us to a time of quiet worship and reverence as we call upon the creator of the universe. Thy kingdom come. This distinct statement is so very important because it lets us know that the consummate end point of all history is the restoration of the kingdom again to Israel. Look to Acts chapter 1 verse 6. Luke chapter 1 verse 30 through 33 Revelation chapter 11 verse 15 Daniel chapter 2 verse 44 and Isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 and 7 thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven this requires all prayer to be made for his greater will to be done on earth as it is in heaven when we pray we should ask that our will be should be made to conform to His divine will. Give us this day our daily bread. This is a request for physical and spiritual food. Man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God doth man live. And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Here we are asking that our Eternal Father forgive us of our trespasses, as measured by how we have forgiven those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Know this, God will never lead us into the temptation of sin. The temptation spoken of by Jesus is a type of spiritual test, such as he gave to Abraham in the offering up of Isaac, as recorded in Genesis 22. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Again, the kingdom is the great focus in prayer, because it's the end point to which salvation is taking us. That is the kingdom. Moreover, all power, glory, and honor accrue to Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. In conclusion, let the very words of Jesus Christ take residence in your heart and mind, as recorded in the Gospel of the Apostle John, from John chapter 12, verses 35-36. through Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have light, believe in the light that ye may be children of the light.